Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Steelers Sanctuary Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Rivero from SteelersSanctuary.com. And today we've got our old friend, Tony Pauline, back with us, draft expert. How's it going, Tony? What's going on? I'm okay. Draft is over. Yeah. Uh, take a little break, and then on to 2024. I was going to ask you, a little uh, life slow down for you a little bit now and just uh, take a little vacation and then back at it? Actually, what I'm going to do tomorrow, I'm going to cut the grass today. Hopefully, if the weather holds up, I'm looking out here, it's a little bit cloudy, and... Uh, Going on vacation with my daughter tomorrow for a week, so yes. Excellent, excellent. We're going to go over the Steelers draft. Um, I had a, a question for you first. The Eagles traded up one spot with the Bears at nine to get Jalen Carter. Did you hear anything about the Steelers maybe interested in that? No, I, I know there was rumors the Steelers wanted to trade up to nine. Any rumors, anything about the Steelers being interested in Jalen Carter, and maybe that's why the Eagles traded up? From I, did not, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I did not hear that at all. I, I think the Steelers are probably more interested in uh, Darnell right at that point. That's my speculation, but I did not hear anything like that. Okay. Uh, I was just curious because the Eagles trading up one spot, obviously, were trying to block somebody. And I just wasn't sure if you had heard anything about it. All right, let's get right into the Steelers draft here. Broderick Jones, they trade up a couple spots to get him, presumably to get him ahead of the New York Jets. That's That's the rumor, although... I've heard recently the Jets are claiming that they were going to take Will McDonald no matter what. Who knows at this point? But what do you think of Broderick Jones overall? Yeah, I, I heard that as well. I, I, you know, I had heard the day after that the Jets really weren't interested in Broderick Jones for a couple of reasons, and Will McDonald was their guy. You know, the only thing is they, they took all that time on the clock. I mean, they basically took as much time on the clock as possible, I think, because they wanted to trade down. I mean, Broderick Jones, if he pans out, it turns out to be a brilliant move. He's an incredibly athletic offensive lineman. Left tackles are always a premium. You know, if, if they gave away a few picks to move up and get a, a potentially premier left tackle of the future, it, it's a home run for them. Uh, he's an athletic guy. He's terrific in pass protection. He's an outstanding zone blocker, very effective on the second level. He's got to get stronger. He's a younger guy, so there's going to be bumps in the road. But again, you know, left tackle is a premier position, and people want to talk about the quarterbacks and this and that. We saw what happened with Paris Johnson. We saw that there was competition for Broderick Jones. Uh, it tells you how important the position is. If it pans out, you know, this is a move that Steelers fans and the organization are going to like for a long, long time. Yeah, it's kind of been a black hole position for the Steelers for quite a while, so it's not unexpected that they went that route. Um, okay, we'll jump 32 overall. It was Joey Porter Jr. Um, a lot of speculation the Steelers are going to trade down here. Um, what was it? The Titans ended up trading it up one spot after them, and – to get their player, I think it was the quarterback. Um, what do you think about Joey Porter Jr., first of all? Yeah, I know Titans, and the Titans and the Raiders wanted to move up. Joey yeah. Porter Jr., I mean, I think a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves, thought that he could have been the Steelers pick in the first round. Yes. Why did Joey Porter drop? Lack of production, a lot of holding, which concerned teams, poor techniques. As far as I'm concerned, you know, Joey Porter was an outstanding cornerback at Penn State as a freshman. And I didn't see a whole lot of improvement in this game. That was a little bit disconcerting for me. But he's got size. He's got speed. He's got a lot of upside. So, again, I mean, this could be, you know, it took a lot of time to see if they could work out a trade. It was a matter of, do you want to trade down or do you want to get a potentially outstanding cornerback? And that's what they got in Joey Porter Jr. Now, that being said, Steel's history has not been great drafting cornerbacks early and developing them. They've really struggled. They've had a lot of busts with their early selections. Maybe Porter Jr. breaks that uh, streak. Uh, he's got the upside. He just has to be coached. He has to be developed. And he really has to work on his fundamentals. What do you think the value there? Because I guess the Titans gave up 
a pick swap in this year's third round and a third round pick for next year. I kind of think that the Steelers, if they take that deal, which was presumably offered to them too, and then maybe draft Julius Brents or another corner later on instead of Joey Porter Jr., I think the value there is pretty good. I'm wondering if the Steelers made a mistake not taking that trade from the Titans. I mean, tough to say. Obviously, they like Joey Porter enough that they didn't. They turned away that trade. So it depends on how they valued Porter versus what they were going to get in return. I did a podcast with the New York Giants, which will be up soon. And we talk about the 2024 draft, which looks really, really good. I mean, it's going to be really strong because, you know, you're going to have a lot of players, a lot of seniors who went back for their senior season who are going to be in the draft. And then you look at uh, underclassmen. So right now on paper, the 2024 draft looks like it's going to be really strong. In fact, I was surprised that we didn't see a lot more teams try and trade picks this year for next year, or maybe it was just teams that want to give up picks in 2024 because they realize how strong of a draft it's going to be. Yeah, that could potentially be, I should say. Yeah, that could be the point too. All right, next up, uh, 49th overall, Steelers take Keanu Benton, defensive tackle. We kind of figured they needed some depth and a young player at that position with Cam Hayward being about 34 years old and not much else behind him. What do you think of uh, Keanu Benton? I think when you compare him to Cam Cam Hayward, he's not as strong as Cam Hayward, although he's pretty intense. He's athletic. He's mobile. He's just got to learn to play to his size. Uh, He came into the season highly rated. He shows himself to be a playmaker. There were times a year this year where, I mean, he was just nowhere to be found. You watch the Ohio State game, Luke Whipler, who was a six-round pick, who was underdrafted as far as I'm concerned, just handled him at the point. He had two good day, days of practice at the Senior Bowl, looked really good. I think that helped kind of uh, bring his, stock, his draft stock back. He's got a lot of upside. He's a big athletic interior guy. Uh, you know, if Hayward plays this year, it could be a good situation for Benton because he's going to be rotated into the lineup have a chance to develop his game, but I think he's got to learn to play big football on every down. Okay. That's pretty good. Um, my favorite pick in the draft, Donnell Washington at 93, he fell a lot further than a lot of people thought. Uh, the injury red flags. Did you hear about that before the draft? Cause I didn't, I had no idea. Well, I heard about injury and character concerns. The problem with injuries are not every team looks at them the same way. You know, some teams will red flag a guy, some teams will fail a guy, and there'll be other teams that are A-OK with the player. You know, Leighton Van Der Esch, uh, Tyje, uh, from years ago, Tyje Spears this year. So the uh, injury issue is very objective and subjective. It's different from team to team to team. As far as Darnell Washington's concern, I, I think he was overrated a bit from the get-go. I mean, people, you know, love the size, and they saw what he ran – but the fact is this, when you watch the film, Darnell Washington, in my opinion, is a glorified number two tight end. He's a throwback tight end. Yeah, he's like having another offensive lineman on the field, and he catches the ball well, but he's not very effective as a pass catcher more than six to eight, maybe 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. You're not going to send him down this, this seam. The only way he's going to uh, catch long passes is um, blown coverages or somehow he's able to out-muscle the uh, safety, or the safety doesn't get to the ball in time. Uh, you know, he, he's he's a throwback type of tight end. On third and short or third or goal line situations, you can put him on the line as a blocker, and he'll do a good job. Or you can put him in motion and throw a pass to him, throw him a jump ball, and he'll get, get up and come away with the reception. Uh, you know, I, I think people just fell in love with the dimensions, the size, and everything else. I like Darnell Washington. But again, I think he's really not much more than a glorified number two tight end. 
Okay. It's uh, good to know. Um, next up, Nick Herbig from Wisconsin. A little small for me as a as an edge player, especially in AFC North with the way that these teams run the ball. Um, I don't know where he fits as an edge rusher in the NFL. What do you think? Well, that's why he fell into the fourth round. I mean, a lot yeah. of people were talking about him as a second or third rounder. I had him as a third rounder. <clears throat> Solid athlete. Very intense. I mean, there have been a bunch of guys, right, uh, that have come out of Wisconsin, smaller edge rushers that are highly rated that fall on draft day and, you know, are okay NFL players. And I think he's one of them. He's got to learn to make plays in reverse. He's got to learn to do more than just rush up the field uh, to have a career at the NFL. He's done some of those things in Wisconsin, but he was so effective as a pass rusher. That's the way they use him. That's the way, you know, J.J. Watt and everybody else at Wisconsin uh, – that's the way they're used. Um, has a decent upside. He's just got to learn to complete his game. Yeah, there was some talk, right, that he could be moved to off-ball linebacker at some point. But the Steelers seem to think, uh, said at that press conference, they're going to use him as an edge. I mean, 20 sacks the last two years. The production is definitely there. Yeah, and that's what the way Wisconsin uses their uh, uh, linebackers. Who was a kid a couple of years ago, name escapes me, was expected to be a first-round pick, and then he, he ended up as a third-rounder. Uh, and, and they look at the, uh, and I'll pull it up as we're speaking, you know, and, and he was the same sort of undersized pass rusher. But when you watch him, he was a bit one dimensional and didn't develop, didn't really have a, a complete game. Let me get to Wisconsin here, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Uh, I'm drawing it? a blank. Uh, Zach Bourne. Um, oh, all right. Zach Bourne, another guy. I, I mean, people yep. were, were gushing over him and, you know, a similar sort of player. Okay, um, seventh round comes around for the Steelers. There was a little gap between draft picks, and they get Corey Trice from Purdue. I I like this pick. Again, injury concerns, red flags with him. Yeah, I don't know why Corey Trice fell. I, I mean, I love Corey Trice. I think this was a brilliant pick. He's a guy who can play corner. He's a guy I think can also play safety. Uh, you, you know, you can use him in a slot. You can use him in zone. He's a big physical guy. I, I mean, he is a very aggressive corner. Uh Tested relatively well, had a couple of good days of practice at the Shrine Bowl. He just kind of fell through the cracks, uh, 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 you know, in what could be a steal or one of the steals of the draft for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I liked him coming into the season. He showed a lot of good things uh, during the season. He can play in a variety of schemes. You can use him in zone. You can use him backed off the line of scrimmage. I like him in man. Uh, not super fast, but fast enough. Very physical. Gives effort defending the run. I mean, I had him as a fourth rounder. Why he fell into the seventh round? I mean, you know, what happens is late in the, late in the draft, as we saw with a couple of picks, they go with the size speed guys. Trice has got uh, good size. He doesn't have elite speed. You know, he's not a 4-4-3 guy, a 4-3-9 guy like a lot of corners, which is potentially why he fell. But I, I think this is a great pick for the Steelers. All right. And to, to wrap up the draft, Spencer Anderson, I don't know how you familiar you are with him. I don't even think he made most people's top 150s. Uh, guard out of Maryland. Um, anything there with? Uh... Oh, I, I know. I know about top one hundred and fifty. Uh, no, he definitely was top one hundred and fifty in the draft. Uh, he was, you know, I didn't have him as a draftable pick. Obviously, you know, I, I had a report on him. I had him graded. Had him graded as a priority free agent. Versatile guy. Played center at Maryland. Can play some guard. Another Shrine game uh, participant. You know, he's a he's a you get what you see type of player. He doesn't have great upside, but he's smart. And he's tough. He gets the most from his ability. Uh, I don't think he's got much scheme versatility. 
Uh, and I think it's a situation where he's not mobile enough to be used as a zone blocker. He's not a pure power gap blocker, but he's a smart lineman. And, you know, I, I see him here as a guard. He also played a lot of center. And that's the type of guy you want on the pivot blocking for you. Smart, intelligent guy who plays tough football, potentially a backup at the next level. Yeah, his versatility is a big key, right? He played a couple of positions, so that'll be good as a, like a backup offensive lineman. Absolutely. Give him a little edge to make the roster. Um, uh, overall, what do you think? How do you think the Steelers did in this draft? I mean, a lot of players they drafted were around or at your uh, rankings and your board. Uh, what do you think of their draft overall? Um, I, I mean, the first two picks, uh, even the first three picks, you want to say the first four picks. I, I mean, anytime you can get a premier left tackle in the draft, uh, that's a big bonus. And that's what they potentially got in Broderick Jones. Uh, you have to wait and see, you know, Joey Porter is sort of a wait and see. Benton's a wait and see. Darnell Washington's a wait and see. But I think they got four really good players that can help them. I don't know if they're all going to help them in 2023, but I think they got a lot of uh, upside potential down the road. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of promise here. And, and again, go back to the fact that if they, if they come away with a, a starting left tackle on Broderick Jones for the next, you know, five to eight to 10 years, that right there is a home run. That's the key, right? The first round pick is always what sets the tone for your draft. Well, you I, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think sometimes that's overrated, but in, in this case, it's, it's a first round pick that plays a premier position, left tackle. Let's talk about the overall draft a little bit before I let you go. Um, any big surprises for you that happened in the first round? I know uh, Jameer Gibbs was a little bit of a surprise at 12. Um, he was, but he wasn't. I mean, I had been receiving information that I knew the Detroit Lions liked him and there was talk they were going to take him at 18. They took him at 12. Uh, I, I mean, they, they took Jack Campbell later on at 18. I, I, I think with the Lions, <clears throat> Uh, their their thought process was we've got so many picks we're just going to take the players that we like you know it wasn't that they were I think they had what five picks uh, yeah. in the top eighty five before they made that trade to go from uh, six to twelve so we're like listen we're just going to take the players that we like I think Will McDonald was a uh, was a bit of a, a shocker at fifteen I had him going to uh, the earliest I had him going was the Buffalo I, I thought that was a surprise. You know, when you get a draft where there's there's not a lot of great talent, you're going to get more surprises than that. I, again, the Green Bay Packers, I think, surprised by not taking a receiver, you know, in the first round when there was a good receiver staring them in the face. So that that was a bit of, of a surprise. I think uh, the Indianapolis Colts did a great job uh, in the fourth round getting guys who slipped like uh, Eda Bawari, the defensive lineman from Northwestern. Mm -hmm. Blake Freeland, the offensive tackle from um, BYU. You were uh, high on Freeland, right? You had him as one of your top tackles. Like top yeah, I, I like Freeland a lot. You know, I, I want to say it's a surprise that DeWan Jones of Ohio State slipped to the fourth round, but I shouldn't be surprised on it because I was, you know, uh, <laughs> I kept posting and reporting on, on what a complete putz the guy has been <laughs> literally since the first day of uh, – senior ball practice when he knocked it out, out of the park, as I said on, on Twitter, you know, if you want a blueprint on how to really mess up your draft stock, you know, watch what DeWan Jones has done since the, the uh, since after the first day of senior ball practice, I think uh, uh, Eli Rick's fall was pretty significant. And that should tell people, <laughs> you know, when you have a limited body of work, 
and you run a, and you do as poorly as you as, as Eli Ricks did in timing, you know, you better think twice about entering the draft. And Will Levis, I mean, another one. I, I shouldn't be surprised that Will Levis fell the way he did because I had been reporting since January that teams were telling me they wouldn't take him in the top 20. You know, he's a thrower. He's more than a passer. And, I, and even my early mocks, I had him going 20 to Tampa Bay. Um, and then I went along with the rest of the sheep and put him at number four with Indianapolis. <laughs> and, and I turned out to be wrong. You know, but again, Will Levis is another cautionary tale. You know, when you're a quarterback and you have questions about your game and you're not showing up to uh, scouting events like the Shrine Bowl or the Senior Bowl, you know, it's going to cost you. Ask yep. Geno Smith what happened. Yep. I want to go back to Dewan Jones a little bit because we talked about him on the last time I talked to you and, and how Mike Tomlin wasn't happy with him at the, the right. pro day. And uh, he was scheduled for a visit with Pittsburgh and somehow, I don't know if the Steelers canceled it or he canceled it, but he didn't end up coming in. So it was like almost like the Steelers took him off their board completely at that point. And that might've had something to do why he fell. Other teams felt the same way. I mean, again, uh, you know, just follow what I had been reporting all along. I, mm -hmm. I mean, the guy shot himself in the foot, Yeah, you know, goes to the uh, combine, runs the 40, does position drill. Well, I mean, it started before that. He had a phenomenal day one of practice at the senior, just a phenomenal day one. And then he packed it in. I didn't show up for any more practices, didn't blame the game. Uh, and that was a red flag. He goes to the combine, runs the 40, does some position drills, doesn't do anything else. And I was at the Ohio State Pro Day. And I saw what happened. He was standing around talking to people in gray sweats. He wouldn't get on the scale. The APT form says he wouldn't, wouldn't sign the consent sheet. Yeah, This is, you know... Uh, more than anything else, this is a job interview where you're going to be signing a contract for hundreds of thousands, if not tens of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to piss off your employer or your future <laughs> employer. And that's exactly what he did. We talked about it. he cost himself millions in the draft process. Really? He was a borderline first round pick. And ended up uh, in the fourth I, I think, you know, I, I first. Think, yeah, I think you could have said that after the first day of senior bowl practice. Yep. And I think he could have cemented that if he had two more days of practice like that at the senior ball, but it was all downhill after that first day. Yep. Um, an interesting little thing came out on Twitter where Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback from Oregon came into Pittsburgh for a visit. And I guess Mike Tomlin was overheard saying he doesn't have the compete in him. I don't think we're going to have him on our board. Did you hear that from other teams? Or um... I heard that people said that they didn't think he was a physical cornerback. And I don't <clears throat> I don't necessarily agree with that. Now, when you watch the film of Christian Gonzalez, it is very, very uh, impressive. I was impressed. Yeah, I was not a big Christian Gonzalez guy when I saw people mocking him as early as they did. And then I watched the film and I was blown away, especially his ability and man coverage. Uh, he also did incredibly well the combine. He ran fast and he, yeah, he did well in position did. drills. I know that there were issues with uh, Christian Gonzalez, and this is the first time I'm going to reveal this, so you, you'll have a scoop on your show. Nice. There were, there were uh, issues with Christian Gonzalez through the agent process where there were a lot of demands being made as far as money, as far as the amount that the agent would charge. You know, they, they were asking for, they were shooting for the moon, uh, based on what they were reading on Twitter and where he was projected to go. So I, I think that set off a couple of alarm bells with teams uh, as to, and he was, from, from what I was told, he wasn't doing it himself. He was having other people, <clears throat> excuse me, intermediaries doing it for him, making all these demands 
of agents he, he was going to sign with and a very successful agent, <clears throat> excuse me, who used to be in the league said, you know, teams don't pay enough to the what players do going through the agent process, the demands, things like that, because that can be just a precursor of things to come. And that may be what, and I, I don't know, I, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to speak for Mike Tomlin. All I can speak about is what I heard about Gonzalez through the agent process. Uh, and what I heard leading up to the draft, how he wasn't a physical corner. I don't necessarily agree with that, but when you kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together, maybe that's what they were inferring to, or maybe that's the end result of, uh, what I had heard. That's really interesting. Really interesting. Uh, a couple more before I let you go. Um, Deontay Banks ended up going 24 to the Giants. Uh, we talked about him the last time we spoke as well. You really liked him. Um, how do you compare him to Joey Porter Jr.? Is it is it is there a big difference between the two? Right, well, I and I in the days leading up to the draft, even the week before, I had said that uh, while everyone had Porter Jr. ahead of Deontay Banks, Deontay Banks could be the could be taken ahead of Joey Porter. I, I think I said I Deontay Banks could be the third cornerback taken. It was actually the fourth because Malcolm Forbes. Uh, went so early to the Washington Redskins, which to me was another surprise, especially the, in that Ron Rivera defense. I don't know how a 166 corner, 66 pound cornerback is going to hold up. Um, the difference is this: is Deontay Banks doesn't have the same body of work as Joey Porter Jr. Joey Porter Jr. was a good cornerback for Penn State three years, where Deontay Banks played lights out one year at Maryland. But when you watch the film, the film on Deontay Banks is more polished. He's the, he does a better job getting his head back around to track the pass in the air. One of my complaints uh, in my report on Joey Porter was he does a lot of face guarding. And that's a dangerous thing with college cornerbacks. Deontay Banks did, did a fraction of the face guarding of uh, Joey Porter. And the face guarding oftentimes leads to holding because you're watching the receiver's hands rather than tracking the, the pass in the air and you're playing the receiver's body and, and he's making a cut and you're grabbing him. Uh, so I, I think that. You know, Deontay Banks in 2022 seemed like he was further along in his game than Joey Porter. But the the danger with Deontay Banks is you got to hope that 2024 is the shape of things to come mm -hmm. rather than the exception to the rule. Uh, one last one before I let you go. Nolan Smith, probably one of my favorite uh, players in the draft. Uh, the Eagles cleaned up again, right? Uh, they, they draft so incredibly well. Um, talk about Nolan Smith a little bit. Is he an edge rusher at the NFL? Is he off ball? He's everything. He's everything. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I remember when J.J. Watt was taken, what, with the 12th pick of the draft or wherever he went. I remember saying at the time, people are going to regret letting this guy slip this fall because he is such a great football player, such a great defender. And that's what it's going to be with Nolan Smith, because you can't pigeonhole Nolan Smith as just an edge rusher. Nolan Smith, you go back and watch the 2021 film. He was a terrific linebacker. He was a terrific pass rusher who could play off the ball in space. He was outstanding in pursuit. He was a tough run defender on a very good defense. And he basically did everything. And the Eagles needed a pass rusher and they needed a, a linebacker. And they got both with Nolan Smith. The, you know, I, except for the fact that he was injured in 2022 and he barely played it's it's mind-boggling to me that football people would let him slip that far that far especially after watching the 2021 film you know you compare it to lucas van ness well smith is a much more complete player than lucas van ness there's no doubt about it lucas van ness may have better production numbers but he was asked to do that at Iowa, where Nolan Smith didn't have to just rush the passer uh, at Georgia because they had so many other guys there. 
But I, I, I mean, third and six, Lucas Van Ness is going to rush the passer. Third and six, Nolan Smith can rush the passer. He can play in coverage. He can play, cover the tight end. You can use him in zone. You know, he, he will run down a, a running back if you try it an outside run or something like that. He's much more versatile. So, yeah, I, you know, I would agree. I, I mean, once again, Howie Roseman, who does a terrific job year in and year out. My I, favorite I think, general manager by far. I, I, I think he, he hit the, he hit up, you know, even if Jalen Carter busts, but Nolan Smith, turns out to be the defensive player or the football player, I believe he can be. No one's going to worry about Jalen Carter busting because they got Nolan Smith. Yep. You can't listen to Nolan Smith at the combine for five minutes and not think this guy's the perfect NFL player. Then he tests off the charts and then you look at the tape. I mean, I thought he would have been the perfect off the ball linebacker for the Steelers. I just thought that would have been. You can also rush the passer. Yeah. And then you could use him in that way too. Exactly. It's just, I'm a little down that the Steelers didn't take him but overall yeah but again but again you know the Steelers would have had to trade up and yeah. the fact is, Which, is when you have the opportunity to get a great left tackle you got to take it yeah got to take Absolutely. it everybody talks about quarterbacks and edge rusher you got to take the left and I, I, I mean I'm a left tackle guy I, I always have been I've always prioritized left tackles probably because I've been a New York Jets fan all my life and for the most part the left tackles for the New York Jets have sucked <laughs> <laughs> Uh, except for the Brickishaw Ferguson. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I always believe you got to go with the left tackle. They didn't um, pick up the 50 yard option on Mekhi Benton either. Now, is he in his last year for the Jets? And then Why would John? you pick up the 50 year uh, option on a guy that played one year? I, I know, I mean, he's that's, been, uh, he's, it's kind of, you know, Mekhi Becton, he seemingly, seemingly has got, he, he, he's on the right path now to his credit and he's in shape. And he's doing all the right things. And I, you know, and I hope it works out for Mackay Becton. But the fact is this, Mackay Becton has not played meaningful football in we're going on three years now because yeah. of a variety of injuries, being overweight, the injuries, which was, a, was, was a result of him being overweight, you know, and a bunch of other things. So why would you even consider picking up the fifth round option on a guy that you don't even know what you're, you, you've got nothing out from him the past two years. You don't know what you're going to get from him this year. Yep. Tony, thanks a lot for doing this. We've had you on three times now. You've been great. Everyone loves to hear your, um, your opinions on these players. We get a lot of great feedback from you. Um, good luck and whatever you're going to do going forward. Uh, hope to have you on again on the Steel Sanctuary podcast. You've been a great guest. Thank you. Thanks very for much. having me. Good luck to the Steelers this season.